Hi everyone, I have Matt Ram back with me for episode six of season five. He's here with me for the first time in 2022. Hi Matt. Good morning, Catherine. How are things going? It's lovely to be back, it has to be said. It's lovely to have you back. Things are going very well, thank you. I only have one person in the house with COVID now. Everyone else is recovered, so that's always a good thing. How are you? Yes, absolutely fine. I'm I'm glad the the, the days are getting very uh, slowly, but they're getting lighter, which is always a good thing for me. Um, I'm not a a great lover of the the winter gloom. And uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, every day is, uh, is it gets better. So, yeah, good. Very good. Thank you. And um, the whole family touch wood and we're very, very lucky have avoided COVID to date. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're all very, very good. Thank you. Fingers crossed it stays that way. Absolutely. So today, everybody, we're going to be talking through cervical cancer and insurance. So this is the Practical Protection Podcast. So as going back to our usual format with these things, I'm going to provide a little bit of stats, a little bit of info, and then Matt, I'll come to you for the, the really in-depth side of things that I know that you can do in far more detail than me. Um, so in terms of cervical cancer, when we're talking about the cervix, that is what's known, well, what's known as, it's, it is the where the opening between the vagina and the womb is. Um, so for women, you're probably very aware of where that is and um and especially if you've maybe had children you'd be quite aware because it's something that we as somebody who's had three kids it's something that we're kind of constantly um being told to have checked and different things like that um and with cervical cancer itself it's often linked to what's known as the i'm going to try and pronounce this right human papilloma virus or hpv which is the main um, cause of cervical cancer um, ways that we know that could potentially help reduce the risk of getting um, what's known as a HPV virus is practicing safe sex. And for a lot of the, I'm going to say younger generations now, which makes me feel incredibly old, um, they will have had vaccines. Um, a lot of the girls will have had vaccines um, to prevent HPV whilst they're in secondary school. And if I remember rightly now, they are also now starting to roll that out to boys as well, which I'm very happy about because I, I have all boys. Um, lots of types of HIV are about and about 12 of them are the ones that are high risk for causing cervical cancer. It is, and this surprised me a little bit actually, because I I didn't realize it was this way around, but it's more common in women who are under the age of 45. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I felt it was something that was you know, as, as, as with a lot of things, as you get older, the, the risks of different things start to increase. So it really it surprised me to, to see that. Um, an interesting thing um, for me is that obviously we've said that the HPV um, virus is the main cause. But um, again, I didn't know this one. One in 10 cases of cervical cancer are linked to taking the contraceptive pill. Um, and I found that quite surprising. Obviously, in terms of the UK, what we have here is a really good cervical screening program that is offered to um, people um, who are between the ages of 25 and 64. And then another stat that kind of probably hit me in the face a little bit when I was researching this is that there was approximately nine cases of cervical cancer diagnosed each day in the UK. So I think um, a good place to start, Matt, is to talk through what cervical cancer is. Okay, well, thanks very much, Catherine. I mean, cervical cancer, and again, we um, 
within the, the clinicians, the doctors and the nurses and so on and so forth, um, do sometimes use the term cancer, um, particularly where we have something called carcinoma in situ. Um, carcinoma in situ, by the way, uh, is, it is not malignant. The condition is not malignant. The cells are not malignant and it's certainly not cancer. But here we, and I think in, in common terminology, um, it is precancerous. I think that's probably a term that we've we've used a lot in, yeah. in um, underwriting and, and doctors and so on and so forth. Um, however, you know, I, I just go when I was uh, looking into the subject again and refreshing my memory, uh, carcinoma in situ, which I'll go on to explain a little later, by the way, what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also known as stage zero cancer. Yeah. Um, non-invasive cancer, pre-invasive cancer, but immediately you've got stage naught cancer. And in fact, it is not cancer in the, in the, in the traditional um, way of thinking, i.e. It, it is not spread anywhere and it is unlikely to spread anywhere in the very short term. Mm-hmm. Okay, when, when it is actually diagnosed. So there is this uh, confusion, I think, when certainly clinicians use the word cancer, but in fact, carcinoma in situ is a precancerous situation, a bit like ductal invasive yeah. carcinoma of the breast. Um, what I would do is I think I think I just work through um, the pre-malignant areas and then briefly touch on cancer, um, which I think cancer generically, um, most of our viewers or listeners will um, will know, is where the cells become abnormal and they and they have the tendency to uh float around in the in the in the blood and lymph glands to distant sites okay that's really when you get cancer Uh, you define it as cancer in terms of the cell changes again you've got precancerous areas and the most common ones i think that um, our listeners will come across are what um are used Top, commonly abbreviated mm. to SIN, and that's not S-I-N, this is C-I-N, and that uh, stands for cervical interepithelial neoplasia. I'm glad you said um, that instead of me. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Don't, 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 <laughs> so, uh, don't worry. A good set of words, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one as an underwriter I think you get used to, so it, it can <laughs> trip off the tongue, if I can use that expression. Um Okay, so this is really where the squamous cells, which is a particular type of cell, um, uh, show abnormalities, if you like, which are on the outer surface surface of the cervix. And they're graded one to three, uh, CIN1, CIN2, CIN3. CI1, uh, technically, and this is where you will get a a histopathologist, somebody who looks down down a microscope at a slide, in other words. CIN1 is low grade. Um, it is one third uh, penetration into the outer, outer surface of the cervix. And with CIN1, these are usually monitored and no treatment is actually given. But monitoring is very, very important once you have a CIN lesion. Uh, CIN2, known as high grade, and that's two thirds of the depth, monitored or treated. CIN3 is high grade, it's the full depth of the outer surface of the cervix and is usually treated or treatment is offered. Um, I've got some statistics here in that 
um, CIAM1, it is a, it generally a monitored condition, and that is because the uh, action of those cells on the surface of the surface can return to normal. Okay. Okay, and therefore treatment would be somewhat over the top for a very low-grade lesion. I've got a statistic here that's, that shows that 60% of CIN lesions actually regress to normal. Oh, that's good. 30% stay the same, and 10% um, progress to a CIN2 or a CIN3. In terms of CIN2 and CIN3, is that kind of the same as like when we have staging, and like you've got stage one, stage two, stage three? Do those numbers kind of correlate in the same no, kind they of way? No, they, they don't correlate. No, okay. with, you're thinking of full-blown cancer, I'm assuming. Yes. Typical yeah. stage one, two, three, four. No, not really. It's just a, it is a, a, a method by which a lot of these stagings, you'll find, you'll find it certainly in cancer. You'll see it here is a way that doctors identify how to treat or to, or not treat the, the particular um cervical interepithelial neoplasia okay so if it's a CIO so they'll classify it as a CIN1 okay that means we don't have to treat it we'll just monitor it CIN2 um, may monitor it um, we may offer treatment CIN3 best to have treatment if the uh, person who has the cervix of course which can be in some trans people um, are willing to take the treatment so really it, it's, it just determines what type of treatment is required and that may that may simply be follow-up yeah okay, so that, and again it's the same with cancer full cancer stage one two three four will actually define what type of treatment is required and that's the same with all the, the majority and not all cancers okay stage one i'll go back to myself um i know yeah. i'm being boring here but a stage one cancer of the colon um really is is a is a resection only surgery take take the lesion out of the part of the colon around um stage three is when um uh, chemotherapy is indicated stage four is when chemotherapy is indicated so as soon as you hit stage three you know that you're gonna have chemotherapy or that okay. Be to you. okay so it's, it's really something that the doctors use for trick for for deciding what treatment so as I said, um, CIN2 regression 60%, or CIN2 regression 50 to 60%, stay the same, 32%, and 18% go on to uh, CIN3. Um, when you have CIN3, which is the highest grade within that particular numeric system, then 32 to 40% will uh, are likely to progress okay. to carcinoma in situ, stroke and then cervical cancer itself. I suppose the main thing with any of these, as with any cancer, is it's getting it as quick as possible. 100%. And, and definitely trying to see it. I think what's quite good in some ways, and I don't know, because obviously we talk about staging and grading. So when I think of staging, if I were to sort of think of, I don't know, an organ or something, you know, as the staging progresses, for me, I, I kind of like, if, if there's no cancer there, the organ is just its organ. As an ex you know, I'm trying to think of an example to try and, because I say I'm, I'm quite visual with these things, you know, yeah, and yeah. then with, as the staging progresses, it's, you know, there's maybe a bundle, like a circle or a lump of the, these abnormal cells in that organ. And as the staging progresses, 
in a sense, probably the more of the organ that's filled with that. And then obviously then it'll maybe start to go outside of the organ into other areas. Um, with the grading, um, I kind of like when I've seen the visual side of things, just to, to maybe help other people understand it and make it firm in their minds to what that is, is I sometimes kind of think of a little bit like a brick wall where everything's really uniform, the bricks are the bricks, and it all looks pretty uniform. It's uniform um, absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. as the grading develops, well, a certain amount of those bricks start to maybe, I don't know, instead of being rectangular, they start to become a little bit more wobbly around the edges or something. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, you know, yeah, then the structure starts to to not be as as strong in a sense. And then the, the further the grading is, the more wobbly or even, I don't know, a completely different shape, a hexagon suddenly comes along or something as well. Um, and I think that's kind of like how I frame that in my mind. Um, so what you're saying as well is that sort of like the cervical cancer, it's not necessarily, it, it's it's not necessarily that it's a sin two, sin three thing. We're not necessarily doing exactly going into the staging and grading aspects, possibly the grading, but not, I, I don't know. I'm getting myself a little bit confused. No, no, that's all right. I think, I think in the way that I look at it, and I have to say there are probably underwriters out there who may look at it or, or, or explain it to themselves, put it that way, in a different way. CIN, CN2, CIN3 are really just numeric numbers. They are not a staging. Okay. Okay, in terms of the... Um, the way that you've just described cancerous cells, which I think is a really good way of thinking about it, by the way. Um, But, you know, what you do have here, those CIN lesions, one, two, three, are still, they're differentiated by the depth of the penetration into the the outer surface of the um, cervix. So they are still abnormal cells. Okay, but they are not determined to be cancerous. Okay, so as you say, pre-cancerous. Cancerous. Yeah, that, that's the way that, that certainly I would, I have tried to understand it myself, put it that way. I hope that helps a little. No, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. that really think, helps because... I yeah, think I the think, big headline is, is pre-cancerous. That's the yes, headline. Absolutely, I think that is really important because, you know, it, it is something that you know, when I'm doing stuff and I'm helping people that it comes back and I'm sorry, obviously I always double check, make sure I've really got my understanding with things and I'll, I'll be thinking like precancerous. But I think at the same point, because it is that thing of cancer stage and grading, as soon as I start to see a number, yes, so like my instinct is to possibly think, oh, right, we've gone to a two or we've gone to a three. And obviously, you know, we are saying that in terms of the precancerous side of things, yes, one is more favorable than a three. Um, but it's still not at the at this at the cancer level. Um, what kind of treatments would you be expecting for somebody to be getting in 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 any kind of sorry the range of things that we're talking about? Um, treatments probably in, in the most generic terminology, I suppose. Here would be for sin for CIN. Um, normally. Uh, You'd have a if there is a one, two, three, particularly two and three, if not them all, to be perfectly honest with you, you'd like to have a colposcopy. Hmm. Okay, something called a colposcopy. And this it's it really decides, the test itself decides what is really going on with your cervix. Okay. I mean, um, the, the the cervical screenings these days will take a um, still terminology of smears, mm-hmm. will take a 
um, will have a, will, will the test will give um, the person looking down the microscope a view of what's going on on the surface. Surface. Why do we keep on saying service? There's lots of circuits, surface, surface. Absolutely. So, a is really where they take a bit of tissue, they take a, um, and, and therefore they will look beyond the surface into the, um, the, the skin itself, underneath the skin. This, the outer surface is a better way of putting it. Um, biopsies will, will also, um, some point that um, was an interesting one for me actually looking into this recently was that sometimes it probably explains a little bit better why you have a colposcopy and no, don't just go on the smear but the, the sometimes the cervical screenings and the colposcopy results can be different. Okay. And I can only think that's pretty because one is on the surface and one is going in. Yeah. Okay, so it is important to have that colposcopy. But again, it's a test, okay, to look what's going on. It's not defining whether you have cancer or not. It's just a test. See what's going on, CI1, 2, 3, and therefore the doctors can then put an advice on further treatment. Okay. Um, Biopsies, um, punch punch biopsies, where again, they just take a little bit of tissue. Um, The something called a, a LETS, and it's actually spelled double, double L-E-T-Z. Mm. Um, another wonderful medical uh, acronym for us. Uh, and actually it stands for the large loop excision of the transformation zone. And that's one I did have to look up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more like an airport terminal rather than something that's happening in the Absolutely. That's something that didn't trip off the term. Uh, <laughs> or... or, or um, no, also known as more simply put as a loop biopsy, and that's that's where they um, they snare a piece of skin from the cervix and, and you take that away and, and uh, do a, a biopsy on it. And also, I was going to say it always sounds incredibly um, cringeworthy as a woman to sort of like hear some of these things, but um, I think that's isn't that the one where it's kind of like is that the one where it's kind of like a bit of like a wire loop, maybe like yes. a heated wire loop yes. that is used in. Um, it's one of those things if you start think we really don't want to have that done, but. I know um, it sounds absolutely scary, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, it's, terrifying. Being a cat, um, it's when you yeah, realize that chainsaws were originally developed to help with childbirth. It's um, chainsaws, yeah, they, yeah, it's um, <laughs> let's yeah. not go there, please. yeah. I was gonna say it's uh, it's something that I think every woman would rather never ever think about that that may have happened at some point. Good god, well, as, as a father who's not <laughs> from being born, I can absolutely equally mind you, it's not me. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Um, and then you go on to the scanning, really. And mm-hmm. again, people will, will uh, know of the, either themselves or from friends and family who have had uh, MRI scans and CAT scans. Those, those will go on if um, there is a suspicion of something more sinister going on around the cervix. Um MRIs, magnetic resonance imaging, and that really is, I, I would call it, um, the, the, the gold chip of, um, of scanning. I'm one of those people that I'd be quite happy to have an MRI done every single year, just all over, just like, just double check. I'm sure there's some kind of negativity to having an MRI done every single year, but I just feel like if I could have a scan of everywhere done, I'd be quite happy. 
I think. <laughs> I do know what you mean. And of course, those services are, are available in the marketplace, not through the NHS for obvious yeah. reasons, but they're certainly around privately. I think the challenge as an underwriter, and I'm, I'm sure the same with, um, with certainly with chief medical officers of insurers, as well as the clinicians in this world, is that those scans show things that people never knew really existed. Yeah, and, it is. And more importantly, what do you do with those things that are completely new or very, very new? Do yeah. you monitor it's... them? Do you do something about it? Do you intervene? Do you conduct surgery? And that is the absolute classic of those scans. It is difficult. And it's just reminded me, and I'm going a bit off topic here, but there is somebody that I've been chatting to recently that I've, I've been supporting. And um, in her 30s, um, there was a random test done which showed that she was born with one kidney. Yeah. And it was a case of sort of there is that thing of, right, well, actually, if that test wasn't done, yes, obviously, it's good to know because obviously long term health wise, you know, mm-hmm. but in terms of insurance, if the test wasn't done, the insurance could have been applied for without having to say I've only got one kidney, which then in itself brings a whole other host of, of questions. And obviously, you then kind of think, well, how many other people are living with one kidney have no idea whatsoever and applying for the insurance quite rightly and saying that no there's no problems with their kidneys because they just don't know yeah and it's it is that kind of like balance of do I want to know about it so I can address it straight away but actually then that's a knock-on effect elsewhere potentially so very complicated it, it, it is and um you know I, it, again I'm going to draw a, a, another story here that as underwriters now we get we get um fantastic scans of the heart as well as other, other organs as well but they, they find absolutely mi- micro abnormalities in the heart valves. Yeah. Which they wouldn't have known about 10 years ago. Yes. But those people 10 years ago would have had standard rates. What do you do about the people who've got these abnormalities, minor abnormalities? Is that a standard rate case or is that a premium loading? It's quite a debate. Quite it's a debate. Definitely really. a debate. So, so it really comes in as well, you know, for people who are living with type 2 diabetes or high yeah. blood pressure, high cholesterol. So many people, no idea that they're living with no. these conditions. And as you say, you know, it's it's kind of like, well, what do you do? You know, I, I really don't know the answer, you know, I mean, if you if you don't know you have something, then contractually, obviously, when you sign a proposal yep. form, the answer is no. Yes, absolutely. And if there's something comes up later on, then that's that's fine from an insurance company perspective. But yeah, yeah. it's the interpretation of some of these new scans and how fantastically um, sensitive that they are is is proving a great challenge. But then again, for me as an underwriter, that's what the world is all about. And that's what's so great about underwriting, because it changes. Absolutely. So much different challenges. So when it comes to things like the cervical cancer and, you know, I think it comes down to obviously as with insurance, it's all about risk and insurers and underwriters, when they're assessing things, they're looking at what is the risk of this person claiming on this policy. So for life insurance is the case of based upon this person's medical history, what's the likelihood that what they've had previously in the past is going to potentially affect how long that they might live for with critical illness cover. It's how much is there a risk of this person's past for them potentially to develop you know a critical condition and in turn make a claim and then with the income protection again it's like what is the likelihood that this will potentially affect this person to a point where they're unable to work so I suppose when it comes to things like the things like cervical cancer and obviously as well I know we've, um, we've spoken quite a bit about sin um the sin side of things um 
and um, you know in terms of like if it had been full cancer of the cervix then we would be expecting possibly potentially chemotherapy, uh, radiotherapy, um, possibly um, removal of at least some of the reproductive organ um, to to try and obviously stop um, the cancer spreading. Um, but what, in terms of as an underwriter, when you see, you know, cervical cancer or potentially those sin readings coming in, what's standing out in your mind in terms of like, right, well, this is something that you know, I'm, I'm not worried, but this is the risk that I see. Absolutely. Well, it, it, the, the classic with the, we we'll talk about the precancerous stuff first, because that's the, that those are the main, the most common yeah. areas that we see from an underwriting perspective. Really, it, it would be that, that the person, when, once the person knows they have a sin lesion, is that they are uh, followed up, and treated as necessary. They, they follow medical advice. Um, as such, um, with all, all those three, SIN1, SIN2, SIN3, you'd want to have at least, you'd want to know the di initial diagnosis. So you want to know what SIN lesion it was or whether it was carcinoma in situ for that matter. Um, or the other types of, of SIN, which I haven't talked about really, but I'll very, very quickly mention CGIN, which is the cervical glandular interepithelial neoplasia. And that's where the cells of the, um, the canal within the cervix that lead to the uterus, the womb, are impacted. Um, and also something called SMILE. I'm not sure if that wonderful acronym, again, SMILE. Um, okay. So begin with a C or an S. Let's just try and establish... So sorry. I was thinking sin starts with sin starts with a C. Yes, I know. Uh, instead of an S. C so I'm thinking smile. What does that start with? Well, it's going to be like a P I, I or something. I don't, I don't know where the E comes from. It has to be said. I've looked at okay. it. I can't find it. But smile stands for stratified murine producing intraepithelial lesion. Okay. Now I would suggest that that particularly is one where the doctors of this world and of course i'm using that in a very generic sense mm -hmm. um have come up with something which they can't fit into the general cin one two three lesions and feel it should be treated in a different way or monitored in a different way yeah but all of these things really come from well there's some abnormal cells here what are me as a clinician me as a doctor what am i going to do about it okay yeah so those you, you you may come across those. I must admit, I've never heard of smile before. I uh, did a little bit of uh, prep for this uh, for this chat. Um, as I say, they could, both of those, rather like the CN, can be could be monitored or actually or actually treated. In terms of the, you talked about risk. Okay, so you're looking at sins or or those two. It's the it's the the chances of those developing into full-blown cancer, okay? And we've talked, gave you some stats early doors about regression um, yes, and you. whether they stay the same, in other words, they don't progress in the, in the cases that do progress. CIN1 doesn't progress, very rare, rarely does it progress to CIN2. As long as it's mon monitoring to make sure it doesn't is obviously very, very important. And as you go higher, then the chances are it progresses quicker. What underwriters are concerned about with the, um, the SIN, CIN lesions are 
the progression to cancer. And as we've already, I've already mentioned in some of the statistics given earlier this morning, um, the lower the CIN grading, do I use the word grading? CIN one is yeah. um, the, the, there are slim chances, uh, 10%, isn't it, uh, to progress to CIN two or CIN three. And then you've got CIN2, as we've discussed, CIN3, as discussed, you've got carcinoma in situ after that. So you have you, uh, an individual would need to go through all of those um, levels of, of SIN. So if they're yeah. SIN, well, they need to go to two, three, uh, uh, in situ before they got to cancer. So and from an underwriting perspective, CIN1, as long as it's um, being monitored, then it is it is not a concern. Once you get up to CIN3 and carcinoma, uh, sorry, carcinoma in situ, importantly, Hmm. um, then there is more of a concern that uh, matters may get, may progress and uh, cancer could be uh, in the future, in the short term. Um, So underwriters, obviously, we were more worried about those. Again, as in terms of the, I've, I've mentioned the treatments or not, monitoring or not um, of those sin lesions, then um, treatment will be, if treatment is required, then that will be, that needs to be carried out hmm. for underwriters really to um, be able to provide terms. Once those, once those of uh, the treatment has been given, if needed, then um and it is successful. Success looks like a repeat uh, test to show that the, the, the sin lesion has gone, disappeared. Um, then, again, standard rates for life insurance isn't a problem. Same with carcinoma in situ as well. Standard rates for life insurance, um, not a problem. Again, must be treated and there must, and there must be a, a follow-up test which show that those abnormal cells have been removed or have disappeared yeah I think that's something that's really important Matt as well because obviously we have obviously a lot of people who come to us with different situations and we do have quite a few women who will come to us who've had maybe some abnormal cells in a smear test and what you will generally find is that most insurers want to see a smear test that has been um in a sense shown a normal result before they're able to offer the insurance and I think you know for for as, as a woman you know having that kind of a test where you know potentially you are told oh it's just a wait and see kind of thing it'll probably just disappear yeah. on its own or maybe just oh right yeah we'll just pop up to the uh I know with some of my friends you know they've maybe popped up to the hospital and had um I think it's possibly like a, a certain very very small procedure done um that is literally just a case of you maybe just feel uncomfortable for a day or two um for, for, I think for a majority of people you wouldn't necessarily think I think that that would maybe put the stoppers on getting the insurances so it's really important that people know that 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 could be what they they face so sorry for interrupting now i just wanted to make sure i got not that at in. all no 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 clarification is is, is uh, very very important um no i would agree with with, with everything you've just said there um I, again i would just reiterate something that i i said before carcinoma in situ um also known as you may hear somebody with a medical um, qualification say uh, stage nor cancer yeah. As you heard the word cancer, you think, oh, my goodness. And, and But you have to remember that stage naught cancer, carcinoma in situ of the cervix, is not 
cancer. Yeah. Not malignant cancer. Yeah. I think if I remember right. rightly, when you and I spoke or had a session on malignant melanoma, yes. the same type of problem sometimes comes. People have skin cancer. Yeah. Locally known skin cancer, but it is not malignant. Yeah. So it, it is important for people not to panic um, when they when they hear um, certainly CIN one two three and also carcinoma in situ. Yes. And if in doubt, talk to your medical professional. Yeah, I was also going to say as well, the NHS site is really good. And, yeah. and a lot of the time when I'm looking at things, um, I'll also often look at charities, but I'll, I'll specifically look at UK based charities just so that I can sort because they often have so much information on them and incredibly good. Um, and, and they're always really, really useful um, in terms of really explaining these things to, to quite in depth detail. Absolutely. No, it is very good. I'd just like to throw in another um, medical term, which um, uh, the older, certainly that includes me, um, listeners uh, will have heard of, and that's dyscariosis. I've never heard of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it just shows you my age, Catherine. Thank, okay. you, for, thank you for reminding me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> however, certainly the underwriters out there will no doubt have seen it because it's, um, if they are looking at detailed medical records of uh, someone who is of a certain age and what I mean by that is over 50 I'm well over that so thank you um, I'll just get that in um, <laughs> but really it's, it's dyscariosis simply means that there are changes to the cells okay right. it is not the same as CIN okay it is, it's just an extremely general term and dyscariosis Therefore, if you sit on a medical uh, report, underwriters out there, um, it, you need to know more information. Yeah. Dyscariosis is likely to be followed up because there are changes to the cells. It needs following up, needs mo um, monitoring. But really, it, it is not the same as CIN. And you can see where, where CIN is more modern terminology because it actually gives it levels, one, yeah. two, three. Okay. Okay. Um, so I just thought I'd throw that in for... for, for oh, really good to know. A, Thank you. ...a medical bent out there. Okay. Um, in terms of cancer itself, if we, if we go that far, I think, Catherine, you've kind of... You've, you've, you've covered really um, the main points because generically uh, the majority of cancers um, have staging, which you've already yeah. mentioned, Um Invasive carcinoma uh, of, of the cervix can, will come up with stage 1A and 1B, yeah. 2A, 2B, 3A, 3B, 4A and 4B. So again, you've got those classic four stages, yeah. which those who, um, uh, who underwrite or, or uh, in the uh, broker distribution community will maybe have been uh, disclosed. And really... The, the stage ones have the best prognosis. The stage fours, again, like all a lot, lot of cancers, if not all, the, the, the stage fours have the worst prognosis. Stage one, just to, just to underline that, really a, a kind of micro invasion, so up to three millimeters. Okay. Um, 4B is the worst, where you've got uh, metastases to distant sites. And effectively, um, as I'm sure a lot of listeners will know, metastases is where the cancer is spread away from the, unit, the original site, original organ, and has uh, ended up in other parts of the body. 
um, typically um, liver, uh, lungs, and very occasionally brain. Yeah. Okay. So again, you will have different treatments for those. Um, surgery, radiotherapy, chemotherapy for the for those later stages. In terms of an underwriting context, then um, I believe that quote that that any case of stage one and two will be postponed. Uh, a decision will be postponed for three years from when the treatment um, stopped. Okay, so if it's simply surgery, it'd be the date of surgery, three years. Stage four, uh, stage three, and stage four. Generally, you are looking at at least five years of, um, of with no reoccurrence. Okay. Then you're still both. When I say three years, you're still going to get a rating after that with loaded yeah. premium, and in five years, you are more than likely to get a loaded premium after five years as well. Um, so again, those probably, those, I, probably, I don't think, shout if I'm wrong, need to say too much more about cancer because it follows a, and I don't mean clinically here, I mean mm. from, an, from a risk perspective, because we've, we, um, the way that we try and group yeah. outcomes and prognosis, then it, it, it's not too dissimilar to a lot of other cancers out there. Okay, thank you. I think that's something that's really important as well, because it is something that I have to discuss with clients at times is that what the medical professional professionals will say in terms of prognosis and um, stages of not necessarily the stages of cancer, but in terms of the person's recovery and, and where they're at is very different to how potentially the insurance world will view somebody. So, you know, you could have somebody who's as you say, five years down the line, and obviously, it, it, absolutely rightly, the consultants are incredibly positive. They're saying how good everything is looking, and that they are very, very happy. And you know, for them, they're expecting this person to to live a long life, um, and that can be quite hard. I think sometimes then to actually then reach out to the insurance world sometimes and go, and to then be told, well, actually your medical professional is saying that but actually we still see from the statistics that you're not you know it's 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 very hard I think for people to kind of not to accept that but it's, it's hard to hear I think I, I completely completely understand and again um, I've mentioned it before in my own case um, I had stage three colon cancer as you know yeah. and after five years from the uh, cessation of the chemotherapy mm. um you know my consultants who obviously over, over a, a five-year period you get to know very yeah. very well um and you know he said well you know you, you're okay you're, you're go and live your normal life now yeah 12 years on my life my life insurance some insurers still rate me yes so some will do standard rates just some yeah. still, still some still apply loading. So there's a, there is a classic example of yeah. uh, the difference between a clinician's view and yeah. an insurer's view. I think again, one of the things around the five year, oh you're absolutely fine, is because ultimately, uh, cool, tell me, oh, maybe maybe I'm a little bit of a cynic, but ultimately your NHS can't actually support the follow ups in those small proportion yeah. of people 
that will get a recurrence of their cancer. And they just simply can't. Now, a small number um, to a clinician is not necessarily a small number to an insurer. Yeah. And I think that's the absolute classic there. No, I think that's a really clear example, Matt. Thank you. No worries. Um, I have a case study for us to sort of end on, um, just to sort of explain. Obviously, I know we've got your case study there, which is a really good one. So thank you for bringing that to us. <laughs> not, not cervical cancer, though. <laughs> no, not cervical cancer. Um, but in terms of cervical cancer, um, a case study that we have, and uh, we do have a blog coming out on the Kiara website soon that has a couple of extra case studies that people might find interesting. Um, but the one I'm going to be talking about today is a woman that came to us in her late 20s and she needed life insurance for her children. Um, she'd had cervical cancer two years before we arranged her policy and it was classed as a stage 1A and there had been a procedure to remove it. And ever since then, all the tests have been clear um, and it was it was one where it had been caught at the, in a sense, the most favourable time um, in, in terms of treatments and, and uh, prognosis. And what we were able to do was arrange for her a level life insurance policy of £230,000 over 34 years for just under £19 per month. So as with anything with these kinds of um, policies and the pricing and everything, everybody is completely individual, you know, obviously age really comes into it, the staging, the grading of the cancer, whether or not it was cancer or precancerous cells have a huge impact upon things. But I'm hoping that by hearing that it's um, obviously that that nice amount of money to potentially leave to her children, with that being just under £19 per month, I hope that a lot of people can, can hear that that's there's always that worry that the prices are going to be silly. And, and obviously this one is, is a nice example where the price isn't, it, it hasn't been silly. If I can just put it that, and it's a, the best context that I think I can right at this moment when uh, words are failing me. Um, you know what you mean, Catherine? Yeah, good. I'm glad you know what I mean, Matt. I do. No, no, no. no. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I'm glad. I've got one person who understands me. I like that. <laughs> um, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you for all of your insights, as always, Matt. It's been great to have you on board again. Oh, th- thank you, Kathleen. Thank you for inviting me. It's um, it, it, it's it's good to talk, we, we, yeah. <laughs> as you and I always say. Yeah. And, um, you know, for those people out there who have um, issues with, with um, cancers in the, 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 the cervical region or, or, or sin lesions, please talk to your financial advisor before, um, before thinking nobody will cover me. Because, yep. as Catherine has already pointed out, um, you know there is generally a very good chance of being covered, or at least you will know if you can't be covered now when you'll be able to be covered. Absolutely. So, thank you. No, of course. Thank you. And I have to say, in terms of the talking thing, I have to say to everybody, we do have to try and behave ourselves because we're usually natter for at least 30 minutes before we actually start the podcast. And uh, I think the <laughs> longest we nattered for was an hour. We put the world to rights. Oh, and, no. uh, and, <laughs> but, but today yeah, we did it for 30 minutes. So we did well. Um, next time I'm going to be back with Roy McLaughlin for even more industry insights. If you'd like a reminder of the next episode, just feel free to drop us a message on social media or visit the website practical-protection.co.uk. And also don't forget that if you've listened to this as part of your work, you can claim a CPD certificate on the website too, thanks to our sponsors, the Octo members. 
And what's even better is that I sat down with my tech guy the other day and we figured out the bug that was meaning that the certificates weren't auto coming out. Um, so that's all done. We now don't need to carry on manually sending them out anymore. So very, very happy um, and relieved uh, people are within my team at the moment for that. So, um, so thank you so much again, Matt, and I will speak to you soon. My pleasure. Yeah, I look forward to it.